The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean? 22. 22. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get here? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portal from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both be tentacles. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back. And the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Man, boy, it's cold. I feel like yeah. uh, Elf. Doesn't she sing, Baby, It's Cold Outside? Is that the song yeah. she's singing that mm-hmm. uh, uh, the stalker, the Elf, is overhearing? <laughs> He's in the shower. <laughs> That's funny. That is a funny motion picture. I take photographs wherever I go, John. If I see something on a window or a billboard, a marquee saying, best steak and you know world's best steak whatever i photograph it and send it to my daughters and say i congratulated them they've done it we saw one on our walk yes we uh, did didn't we breakfast (laughs) and we thought and we should go in there and just congratulate them congratulations you've done it that's just one of my favorite moments (laughs) you've done it in a very funny film that it seems as though it's become a tradition. Yeah. It's one of those modern-day yeah. holiday traditions, watching Elf <laughs> and laughing at so many moments. Brilliant. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it's great. That kind of humor is, is for me. <laughs> Good morning, John. <laughs> Good morning. It is cold out, though, to get back to whatever that is. Is that Zoe D. Chanel or whatever? It is. is it, it was early in her career, too. Really good. Yeah. And she's funny in that and good in that. And she sings, Baby, It's Cold Outside. And she's she would be she would be right. Is she right? Yes, she's right. It's cold. I heard that James, they all feared James Kahn. And that James Kahn was like... <clears throat> Just real, I mean, not not even so much because he was such a seasoned actor and was in The Godfather mm-hmm. and all that, but almost like too much reverence, <laughs> and he he held too much power just because of his reputation. Well, and he enjoyed wielding that yeah, power. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm I'm James Caan. I'm here a little bit like the Prime Effect in Boulder. I'm here now. But but keep this in mind: yes. you're only so big. There's a book I'm reading, Johnny Russo, <clears throat> who was in The Godfather, played. I can't remember his name, but the husband that beat up their sister. Yes. He played that role. He is a mobster. And he said that when they first got together to shoot a scene, and it was his debut as an actor Mm -hmm. in the room, Marlon Brando came in and started acting big time and gave him 
kind of an order or said something. He he called him out and embarrassed him in front of everybody, mm-hmm. not knowing who the guy was. So after things were over with, the real mobster who yeah. was acting for the first time in a mob Johnny movie Russo. takes Brando back away from everybody and says, you don't know who I am. You do that to me again. And you're going to be, you know, sleep, swimming with the fishes. <laughs> and Brando, uh, he didn't know that he was a real mo- and Oh, and my wow. gosh. That's funny. Talk about a turn of events yeah. there. Yeah, that is good. Anyway, James Caan in that, yes. Yeah. I like James Caan. I, I, he, I don't think the career quite reached the, the high epic proportions that I thought it would based right. on his early work. So good in Brian's song as Brian Piccolo, the made-for-TV event. Yeah. Then moves into some of those early 70s films. I don't. It seems like I read about drug problems for him early oh, in his no. career, and that may be why things didn't go as well mm-hmm. for him when he looked like one of the giant stars. Now, he made a lot of good movies, right. was in a lot of good films, but didn't quite have the, the, the huge the career that I think. And that's yeah. why I'm kind of glad he came back to something like Elf later in his career right. where it, it was a funny movie and he was in a funny movie and was good in it. And Peter Dinklage. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. John, today, speaking of people who will take, who could take you to a back room and say, Do you, don't you know who I am? Yeah. You realize who I am and who you're talking to? <laughs> I remember uh, Isaiah Ryder once saying to a Minneapolis sports writer, you know, when he was when Isaiah was playing for the Timberwolves, you know I know somebody who can take you out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Writer right. said that to a writer, yeah, and he wasn't referring to like a cousin who wanted to go on a date. With <laughs> no, <him. laughs> and you know the the writer. Oh, okay. You know I was put in his proper place, I suppose, by the great J.R. Writer, but. <laughs> We have today on this show mm-hmm. somebody whom I I met in that unusual encounter mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, who opened the door for me and led me in, and didn't I didn't know who I, who he was. And, and, I didn't recognize him. But weren't and is it true that you were disheveled? So you were like it would be like opening the door for a street person. <laughs> I I will say that. You know, people could perhaps construe me as such no matter what I was wearing, <laughs> what my situation. So I don't know what Jeff Smolian was thinking when he opened the door. I always got a little bit of dishevelment going on. <laughs> I look forward to, you know. Well, wasn't it raining? Yeah, and yeah. Were, it was cold. Baby, it was cold outside in, in Indy and trying to get in, banging on a glass door. I mean, people In downtown Indianapolis. <laughs> no, but... You know, Dabney Coleman's line in your favorite on Golden Pond, uh, you know, about how I'm looking forward to kind of preparing, Dabney says, a little bit of uh, the dishevelment. Good use of the word by Dabney in that motion picture. Made me laugh back in 81. But, yeah, dishevelment, a good word, an underused, underrated word. I may have had a little bit of dishevelment going on, and that's always the case. But as as one of our mutual friends says, Parker, ah, he's a mess. (laughs) I get it. You know, that that's often the case. Bags fall, getting tackled on a canal, bags falling open. <laughs> well, so, the, the way you told the story, yeah. I could just envision well, what, what being a sports reporter down on his luck. <laughs> <laughs> we have the honor today 
of visiting with a true giant in the business and yeah. in the industry and a Hall of Famer. And time will fail to touch on with Jeff Smolian, who will join us here at 1130. Dave from Tumwater has helped us broker the deal simply by being a great listener to Chris Mad Dog Russo, who, along with Jeff Smolian and several others, were inducted recently in November into the Radio Hall of Fame. Mm. Jeff Smolian is also a former owner of the Seattle Mariners, 1989 to 1992. And Jeff, John, you and I are sitting here today engaging in this you know, high-level banter about Elf and other matters, but we are sitting here talking on 1240 Joe yep. Radio, and that's a legacy of our guest at 1130, Jeff Smullyan, yep. who essentially invented and created the all-sports talk format when he bought and launched WFAN as an all-sports radio station in July of 1987, Jim Lampley and others were referring to referring to that whole endeavor as Smolian's folly hmm. because well, all sports. Yeah. But even in New York City there were skeptics. And there's so many sports fans there. And Jeff himself said the early days were, quote, a nightmare, hmm. unquote, as the the fledgling format was trying to find its way. Smolian say it was it was hard. It was difficult. And it wasn't gonna last. Was it just a joke? I mean what what is this all sports thing? But Jeff launched it, and there are so many stations now all over the yeah, country yeah. that are engaged in what we're doing. Now, a lot of national stations and less local talk, which I'm not sure is a good sign. We're doing a local show in the Mid-Valley. Right. So many stations, just as we do for most of our programming, flip a switch, and there's Fox Sports or with Romy, CBS Sports Radio. It's good stuff. I like it. There's talented people on the national level, and it's still a good format. Yeah, yeah. But what you and I are doing here, there probably is less of and needs to be more of. Local sports talk radio, which Jeff Smolian launched with WFAN in New York in 1987. I look forward to, to learning a little bit about what his initial thoughts are, because sometimes you invent something not necessarily the way it turns out. So maybe, because when I first heard about all talk, you know, 24-hour sports, I had interned with Scott Lynn um, at Sports Drive. So that was a sports late... Sports Line. Sports Line, mm-hmm. a late-night yeah. call-in talk show before it was 24 hours. That that show goes back to the 70s, and there were others mm-hmm. around the country that did that. Right. So when they said 24-hour sports, I was thinking, well, does that mean, like, games? Replaying games like you might see on this new thing called cable TV? Mm-hmm. No one's ever done that. No one's ever taken a 24-hour sports and done. Like, you know that on uh, satellite, they've got that channel that plays old radio shows? Right. I'm surprised nobody has done what I thought it was going to be, and that is play um, old games mm-hmm. or old boxing matches mm-hmm. or anything that was on the radio and play those. I'm, I'm really surprised no one has picked up on that. Because that's what I thought it was supposed right. to be. Well, supposed to be or was going to be just right. because what does it mean? Because you Cause certainly we didn't have can't, anything. You can't talk about the Mets game, you know, all day long, 24-7. Right. That's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, in you New York or anywhere much, else. So they must have something to play. Right. And it turns out, no, they do make ways of talking that way. Like we note at, say, 4 in the morning in um, uh, March, they'll be talking about the NFL. True. No, the NFL carries national sports talk radio, and that's all the evolution and, and how things change. Mm-hmm. And 
Jeff Smolian, though, has been sort of at the, I mean, not sort of, the cutting edge of so many things, including, and I'm hoping here in a few minutes when we have the honor of talking to this gentleman, who opened the door for me literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, people figuratively, Jeff Smolian opened a door for me. And I, you know, <laughs> J- David Letterman could say that very thing. David Letterman mm-hmm. could say, Jeff Smolian opened a door for me. Now, what's and he'd, that be, connection? he'd be speaking figuratively. I am telling you literally, he opened a door for me in Indianapolis <laughs> downtown. Come on in, young man. What can I do for you? Figuratively for David. You talk about a, a knack in uh, a year. Le- Smolian, we'll, we'll have him tell the story. And it, it, there's still so many things that I'm not. I, I feel like we could say to Jeff Smolian, like Bill Walton, you know, Bill, how you doing today, Bill? And he stopped talking 27 minutes yeah, later yeah. or whatever. I mean, with Jeff, Jeff, David Letterman. You know, that's all it would take. And then he, he would launch into a story. But here here is the short version and whatever, if anything, if we get to that, yeah. we'll see how the conversation flows with Jeff Smullyan coming up here at 1130. I, I want to talk to him about the Mariners experience. Mm-hmm. He also, Jeff, was one of those guys who I know some people can look and say, well, it didn't work out under his ownership watch, right. and he sold a Nintendo after running the club for three years. And uh, there were talks about him maybe moving the team and selling or moving the team to Tampa Bay mm-hmm. and back then. So Smolian was not necessarily beloved by the fan base when he was with the Mariners. But what he did do, John, it's now ubiquitous in the world. He... He introduced situational music, walk-up music, movie clips on the big screen when people would... That was his deal. I thought Bill Veck did all that. Bill Veck did a lot of stuff, and I do sort of want to talk to Veck about, about to Jeff, a little bit about Veck. He had to have been an influence. And Veck, I'm sure, was an influence. What was also an influence on Jeff was uh, growing up, in Indianapolis, a Midwest kid, Clear Channel radio stations. Jeff was born in 1947, and he became a lover of baseball, baseball on the radio, hearing games being broadcast on the, the blowtorch radio stations. Mm-hmm. And somehow, somewhere along the way, a huge fan of the great Willie Mays, who became his idol, so a love for baseball and baseball on the radio, whether that was the Willie Mays of the New York Giants, because if you're born in 47 and you're young enough, you might be picking up those games before the Giants moved west. I Mm -hmm. don't know, Mm -hmm. but whatever the case, Willie was his idol. And in my research and preparing to visit with the the great Jeff Smullyan today, I came across a photograph of a young Jeff Smullyan, then the owner of the Mariners, flanked by Willie Mays, Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. in a photograph with Jeff. Wow. So he got to meet his idol through his ownership of the Seattle Mariners, 89 to 92. And But he introduced a lot of things that he now says, rightly, are everywhere in all stadium and sports yeah. that he, I don't think is bragging necessarily, I, I invented that, I was the first to do it. He popularized those sorts of contests and games and movie clips and situational music as he called it at the kingdom trying to kind of get the fan base engaged and energized and in one year the attendance under under him went mm-hmm. from 1.3 million to 2.1 wow 
in well, term, because well, of his marketing and promotions winning. when the team wasn't very good. So there's three Titans then that I can think of right now that people should know. Uh, the third, only local people know, and they should nationally. And that is Spolstra, Smolian, and Vec. When it comes to game right. experience, I think we're going to have. By the way, we've, we've been Greg Crawford and I've been talking about going up to do a luncheon in our show sometime, I think in the spring, February, whatever. We'll go up north to Portland and talk to John Spolstra on the show, too, mm-hmm. another giant and legend. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and then maybe another one before we transition into Jeff Smolian so we make sure we've got all the inventory taken care of. But Smolian, when he bought a little radio station in Indianapolis in 74, there was a weatherman at a local TV station that Jeff kind of got a kick out of by the name of David Letterman. And after converting a country music format into a news sports talk mix, his first hire to be his midday talk show host on that station in 1974 was a guy by the name of David Letterman. Really? And so... Was that, that when Letterman was going well, to Letterman Ball State? Was just a, yeah, he was just a, a weatherman on a TV station in, in Indianapolis. But that format that Jeff, in hiring him, gave him, yeah. launched his career. Wow. And David is one of the writers of a blurb on the the book that yeah. Jeff has written, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. Jeff Smullyan will join us in a few minutes. Let's take care of some business here. And then another legend today, Craig Hanneman. Mm. We'll talk about that Next, on 1240 Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. A lot of land comes with a lot of work, and the new Kubota MX Series has a lot to offer, including the versatility to mow, move bales of hay, grade roads, and clear brush and snow. The new Kubota MX Series is rated number one in durability and owner experience. Visit Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent or go to lynnbentontractor.com. We're still doing business the American way. Stargazer Premier Florist knows that the holiday season is a special time with special meaning and that a meaningful gift can brighten someone's day and leave them feeling appreciated for any occasion. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, bountiful bouquets, gift baskets, and houseplants always delivered fresh with a focus on keeping families and friends connected. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 North Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to MyPowerHonda.com. In sports, it's important to have a talented starting lineup. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning or just some help with strategy. See the starting lineup at Tax and Wealth Management. David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to successfully execute the game plan every time. They'd also like to take this moment 
to wish all of their clients and friends a very safe and joyous holiday season. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. Our last few minutes before we break again and come back with Jeff Smolian, recently inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, along with Chris Mad Dog Russo, a nice juxtaposition of those two giants in the industry. Jeff Smolian will join us to talk about many things. My entry to him will probably be the entry he gave me to his building in downtown Indianapolis when I needed a studio to conduct some interviews. Uh, we had not yet figured out how to get together. Mike Shacker hadn't arrived. So for me to do pregame interviews for our first game in the NCAA tournament when the Beavers were back there in Indy two seasons ago now, I needed a studio to conduct several interviews and to be on with you. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. And you just happened to see And I saw walking, walking right? downtown, MS Communications, uh, Indianapolis, downtown walking mm-hmm. around and I – it, and so I was trying to figure out what to do. Literally, this is the dishevelment, and he's a mess part. But, I mean, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to get these interviews. <laughs> so I see the radio station, and I see, okay, this might be a pl- I The door was locked. Nobody. So I just kind of banged on the glass door, and a guy walked coming down an escalator, and I'm banging on the door, lets me in. Yeah, what can I do for you, young man? And I quickly gave him my little, uh, I'm a, a broadcaster here for the NCAA tournament, and I need to get some interviews conducted. And I, I see that I'm walking by a radio station. I'm staying at that hotel right over there, and mm-hmm. it was literally across the street. Yeah. And so I just thought, you guys, there might be a studio that I could use to conduct a couple of interviews. Yeah, well, you come on in with me, young man, and I'll <laughs> see what I can do. So that's the guy that opens the door onto the street in downtown Indianapolis. And he said, come on, we'll go take the elevator up. I'll For take you, you upstairs. Knew, you I, I didn't know who he was. He was dressed pretty well. Yeah. But he sees a Beaver logo. Oh, Oregon State. I'll, I'll be pulling for the Beavers in this tournament. Oh, really? Why? I still don't see, know who I'm that, talking to. A, an executive or someone in Indianapolis, that's too much familiarity that prompts a, little bit. a follow-up Right, question. exactly. I said, so, oh, really? Great. I, you know, why? You know, glad, I'm glad to yeah. hear it, but why? He goes, well, I went to USC, and then I, I've got some roots in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, what kind? How? <laughs> Well, he says, I used to, uh, uh, I said something about, well, who, I, I, even in the conversation, like, who are you? Yeah. I didn't know. I said, well, I'm Mike, who, and, and who are you? Well, that's a question I've been asking for a long time. <laughs> but just that kind of wry, yeah, under, unassuming, and I used to have some roots in the Northwest. How? Well, I owned a baseball team up there. <laughs> I did what, the Ridgefield Raptors? I mean, I, you know, I... <laughs> The Seattle Mariners. And I said, Jeff Smolian? He goes, yes. Nice to meet you. And he took me up into the studios and took me around to different engineers and people and said, you take care of this guy and give him anything he wants. And I knew then wow. that I had the run of that station if I wanted to oh, when yeah. this guy himself. And then later, some of the people said, it's the first time he's been up in this part of the building for a couple of years. I've worked him for five years and never seen him in this part of the building. Wow. So that was a, an unusual time, I think, even for him. And then later, after I was uh, unceremoniously thrown down and my dishevelment and my bag opens up mm-hmm. and all, he called me, he followed up later when he read about it in the newspaper or heard it on the radio or TV station. Mike, 
Jeff Smolian, are you okay? I hope you don't have bad. Uh, our city isn't like that. I feel, I'm apologizing wow. to you on behalf of our city. Wow, that's cool. What a very kind gesture that was by him. As soon as you let him know who you are, he'll he may think this is just an interview, another well, interview it, about his book. It is, but he'll connect right. I, away. I will certainly. It, when he joins us next, we're going to take a break and yeah. come back with uh, the Hall of Famer, former owner of the Mariners, giant in the industry if ever there was one, the yeah. inventor of sports talk radio, a guy that hires David Letterman. He's managed Imus and Ken Griffey Jr. and others along the way in an amazing career. He's written a book, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down. <laughs> Jeff Smolian next on 1240 Joe Radio. Taste the incredible flavors of India at Evergreen Indian Restaurant. Enjoy delicious made-to-order Indian cuisine using traditional recipes and fresh ingredients, including a variety of entrees and tandoori specials. Evergreen Indian Restaurant is open for dine-in and carry-out from 11.30 to 2.30 p.m. and from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. daily except on Tuesdays. View the menu and order online at evergreenindianrestaurant.com on Southwest 3rd in downtown Corvallis and West 7th in Eugene, Evergreen Indian Restaurant. At Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Hi, I'm Katie Albin, and I want everyone to know that at Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Directional boring, to be exact. So if you need to run a pipe underground, under a driveway, or under a sidewalk, and you don't want to destroy your yard in the process, the boring people at Albin's Plumbing can help you with your directional boring. Just give us a call. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. This is Jack Coletto, and you're listening to The Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Jack Coletto, the winner of the Paul Horning Award for the most versatile player in college football, helping the Beavers go to the 10-3 and season and triumph in the Las Vegas Bowl on December 17th. Our next guest, it's just such an honor to meet him in this context, and I will say again just in by way of introduction – I actually met and shook this man's hand when he opened the door for me in Indianapolis when I was back there. It's a great story. Uh, two years ago, covering the Beavers in the NCAA tournament, I banged on the door in, in his uh, MS Communications uh, downstairs entryway to the main offices. Mm -hmm. Nobody was opening the door. A guy walks off the escalator, comes to the door. What can I do for you, young man? He was kind enough to say to me. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm trying to get some production done. And he took me, essentially almost by the hand, to the elevator upstairs, mm -hmm. to studios. And along the way, without introducing himself and telling me who he was, I, we chatted. He saw my Beaver logo, said, I'll be rooting for the Beavers here this week. Why? Well, I have some Pacific Northwest roots. Oh, really? What kind? Well, I used to own a baseball team <laughs> up there. <laughs> and I said, Jeff Smolian. He said, yes. And that's how... I met our next guest. It was a true honor to ride up an elevator with him, and he took great care of me even after I was tackled unceremoniously along the canals. He called a couple of days later, how are you, Mike? I'm sorry, on behalf of the city. That was the kind of man that this guy, Jeff Smolian, kind enough to join us to talk about his book, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur, it is Jeff Smolian joining us. And, Jeff, I'm still in debt to you for the kindness you showed me in your city a couple of years ago. Mike, it was a, a great pleasure meeting you. It's great reconnecting. And 
uh, it's, this is just fun. I'm looking forward to talking today. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. I, I want to start with with so many things. The Mariners era, I do want to touch on. But in researching you a little bit and, and reading an article, I think, in the Indianapolis Daily Star, suggested that you grew up in Indianapolis and developed a childhood passion for the medium we're now in. We're conducting a show on all sports talk radio in the Mid-Valley in the state of Oregon, thanks to you in large part. But you grew up in Indy with clear channel radio stations pushing signals across the heartland, and you listened to ball games and stuff on the radio. Is that is that true? Is that sort of where the love for the medium began? That's exactly it, Mike. Um, I loved radio from a little kid. I used to listen to baseball games. I was a Giants fan, so I listened to them all over the country. Uh, and also listened to Top 40, and... Uh, I'm one of those people from the era where we had a transistor radio, and we put it under our pillow at night. When our parents thought we were sleeping, we were listening, listening to the ball games. How did you then, I also read that Willie Mays became your idol in those days. Was that listening to his exploits over the radio? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And then there's a photograph of you, Jeff, with you, Willie, and Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. at a spring training. For you to in your life to get to to meet Willie himself and have that photograph taken, what was that like for you? Just in terms of fulfilling kind of a childhood dream, it really was a thrill. It's, I I have saved very few mementos from my baseball days, but that one I keep uh, on my desk and uh, along with the, the the lineup card that Ken Griffey and, and Ken Junior and Senior signed uh, the first time that a father and son ever played together. So those are the mementos I've kept. Not many, but a few. Jeff Smullyan, our guest, uh, inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame on November 1st, uh, this past uh, winter in uh, Chicago. Jeff, I, I said we are talking here today in a small market in Oregon in a sports talk format, 24-7 sports talk. There are so many stations that, that do engage in this type of thing. Right. But, we are thanking you for it. I mean, yeah, I thank yeah. you for a livelihood that I've been able to engage in in small markets, Portland, and now here through the years. But you had a vision for, for WFAN in 1987 in New York and launched this whole thing. Right. <laughs> what would, tell us about why you did, and maybe even in those early days when I read in your own words, early it was, quote, a nightmare, unquote. It certainly well, became a dream, though. Well, I, I had a favorite saying in life, the line between being a genius and an idiot is very fine. I've been, both, I've been on both sides. And in the book, there's one chapter called Idiot to Genius, and that was the birth of all sports radio. Um, I wanted to do WFAN. I, I've always kidded it was an idea that I had when I was not paying attention in the class at USC. I don't know if I can say USC in Oregon these days. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, We're not uh, happy, but you uh, can. But I... Um, and, I, and when we bought the Doubleday stations, we had two FM stations, which was what our specialty was, and we got WHN and AM. And I brought it up to our manager, and I said, I'd like to do all sports. And Emmis is a very collaborative group, and the group voted it down. And so the next day, a couple of our senior guys came in and said, you know, we, we, we owe you one. We're doing well everywhere else. We still think it's a stupid idea, uh, but we'll do all sports. 
And for the first 18 months, it was, Jim Lampley called it the Vietnam War of Emmis. Uh, it was known around the company as Smullyan's Folly. Um, and then, you know, it built up, and we added the NBC signal at 660 and Don Imus and put Mike and the Mad Dog, and all of a sudden it became a big success. So I went from idiot to genius on that project, and then I followed it up by buying the Seattle Mariners, where I went from genius to idiot. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Smullyan, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show. Jeff, this is uh, John with Mike. Mike and I have been doing this show for over almost 25 years now. And, uh, again, I, I like like Mike said, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the format. Back when, though, and I was just starting to think about and getting into radio, um, and I had heard about this idea of all sports, I was thinking it would be without any knowledge of what it was, because WFAN was already up and running, but uh, only by about a year. I was thinking, oh, it would be where you play old shows like they do now on satellite with old radio shows, but it turned out to be talking about sports. Right. What, what was, did it turn out to be, is the sports talk radio of today what you were envisioning before you ever launched WFAN? Yeah, I think when we, and the guy we brought in had been a network guy, and he wanted to make it more national. So we had guys like Greg Gumbel and Jim Lampley and Pete Franklin. Uh, I think we realized that the most important thing you can do is connect with your people in your market. Um, you know, people, uh, people care about the college teams, the local pro teams. And I think as it evolved, it became more and more. And also, you know, we kind of joke, it, 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 it's like Top 40 radio, play the hits. Well, the hits in Indianapolis, the hits of the Colts and the Pacers. So you do a lot more of, of the things that people care about, just like in any other form of entertainment. Mm. Jeff Smullyan, Radio Hall of Famer, amongst many other accolades, joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. The whole radio profession for you and getting into it again what i read and i'm sure it's all recounted in your book which i've not gotten a a copy of yet never ride a roller coaster upside down the ups downs and reinvention of an entrepreneur by jeff smullion the first radio station you bought and began to run was some uh, kind of a, a failed country music station of your cousins that your yeah. father helped you purchase and, and launched yeah, the career? It was really my dad. I had, I had gone to SC undergraduate in law school, wanted to specialize in media, uh, wrote my law review article on the FCC, uh, and was going to start to be an entrepreneur. Always wanted to be one. And my dad said, if you're going to do it, you know, start it at home. He had a cousin who had a small station that wasn't doing well, and he said, "Why you're getting ready to start your company, come back home. And he talked me into it. When I first went back to Indianapolis, I said, why have I done that? Uh, and then after about six months, I really fell in love with the place, and I've been very, very proud to be here ever since. And uh, uh, But the first station is well known only for the fact that our midday guy was David Letterman. And, uh, and David and I have stayed in touch, and uh, David was brilliant then, as he's brilliant now. Jeff, did you see him on doing the weather and think that guy looks like a kick? I'll bring him aboard to be my midday person. How did you and David connect originally? Well, I had known David a little bit because uh, we're the exact same age, um, and I saw him doing the weather. And my brother said, "You know, Letterman is the funniest guy ever," uh, and I think it was my brother who said, "You absolutely got to hire him," and we did. Uh, and he was, and we just had more fun. Crazy, tough station, an impossible station, but uh, I've said I've had a, a few impossible projects in my life. That radio station was one of them. You converted it from the country music, though, to new, a mix, kind of a mix. You were onto that. News, 
talk and some sports was that sort of almost the beginnings of hey we got we got to blend some things here and not just be stuck to to one genre of music so to speak right right and uh, and david was the talk part news was in the morning sports was in the afternoon and middays was david's talk show yeah wow Jeff, the Mariner venture came not long thereafter, and you're self-effacing enough to say now you go from genius back to idiot in the roller coaster ride. But no, no. I mean, we, you, you, there's got to be some legacy of pride, I hope, that you feel about what went on with the Mariners in, in transforming their attendance numbers dramatically in your yeah. time there, the creative marketing campaigns, situational music. There are a lot of things that, that, are, that are still around for them and all teams everywhere, right? Yeah, I'm very proud of that. We, you know, we joked when we got there. We said, "Look, if you own the Boston Red Sox, your marketing campaign is the season starts on April 6th. Get your tickets." <laughs> but with Seattle, they never had a winning team. The perception was awful, and and we're sort of like, "We we know you think this team sucks, but <laughs> give us a try." And we did all sorts of fun stuff. They we had more fun. I was very proud. I, I told our people. That's the best marketing I've ever seen, and we really improved just about every area. But you know, couldn't get over the hump. And and, and as I've said, I couldn't afford to lose that kind of money. You know, I, I said in those days to own the Mariners or the Kansas City Royals, you really had to be a billionaire. If you owned the Dodgers or the Yankees, if you just had a paper route, you'd be okay. <laughs> right. Did you learn things from that uh, experience that helped you succeed elsewhere? Oh yeah, I, and I and I said, you know, my my dearest friend was president of the team, and when we got done, and he said, "Is there anything we could have done differently?" I said, "No, um, you know, the the economics, the collusion payment, uh, some of the challenges that we have were just something that uh, we couldn't overcome." But I think we'll look back on this and say, "This is some of the best management we've ever done," and I feel that way today. I'm very very proud of it. Um, and and, and I, I've been fortunate my entire career to be surrounded by incredibly great people. Yeah. And um, and that's that was certainly true with the Mariners. Jeff Smolian, our guest, John Warren with Mike Parker here on the Joe Beaver Show. Is there anything that frustrates you in radio? I mean, being in it as long as you have, it's it's changed a lot with the yep. the, the oncoming of uh, buying up all the stations by one company or several bigger fish, if you will, and to where yes. it is today. Um, the problem is the industry... And I always said Wall Street loves what Wall Street loves. And Wall Street fell in love with the industry in the late 90s. And it allowed some people to buy a, a lot of stations uh, with too much debt. Um, and it was based on revenues that were not sustainable for the industry. So they were left with too much debt. And the way to try to deal with that was add commercials and cut people. And so you got a lot of – I mean, I have a friend who runs you know, one of the large companies – stations in Indianapolis, and there's like eight people in a building with five radio stations. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's crazy. Everything's piped in, and everything's not done here, and the key to this business is localism. If you matter to your community, and I don't know how you matter to your community when nobody on the air is anywhere near the community. Jeff Smullyan, the author uh, of a book inspired by his daughter and rides to school, from what I understand, never ride a roller coaster upside down, your daughter, Samantha, from what I read, Jeff, was sort of the, the impetus. Tell us a little bit about that, that on taking her to school, you would tell her stories. She would laugh, Dad, you need to write a book. Is that essentially why you sat down to write one? That is right. I, my favorite 30 minutes of the day were driving her to school from kindergarten until she unceremoniously fired me when she got her driver's license <laughs> uh, in high school. 
Um, but we would just talk about life, and here's what I learned here, and here's the experience, and always had stories around him. And she said, Dad, nobody would ever believe these stories. They're really funny and they're interesting. Um, so that was the genesis. When COVID came about, I started writing and sent, had written 300 pages and sent it to a couple friends, and they said, you've got a really interesting book here. So that's what happened. Next thing I knew, I had an agent and a publisher, and uh, this is new to me, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. Matt Holt books, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. A few more minutes we're honored to have with the author of that book and such an amazing career, Jeff Smolian, joining us. Did you, for a while, manage? I, I, this is something I missed along the way. Ken Griffey Jr. himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ken, Ken was on the Mariners. I love Kenny. Um, Gary Kasif, who was the president of the team, and I were, were best friends. And so I was the CEO, and Gary was the president. And probably my favorite times in baseball were before the games. You know, the first few innings, we'd sit behind home plate. Um, and before the games, and then go up to the owner's box and, you know, meet with people in government and advertisers and friends of the franchise. But before the, the first few innings, we'd sit downstairs, and before the games, Kenny would come in every night and just shoot the breeze, and he was great. Um, one night I'll never forget, he, he, the night before he had made what I still think is the greatest catch in the history of baseball, where he's running full speed up the wall and catches the ball. Uh, I still see that highlight. And um, Gary turned to Kenny and said, you know, Kenny, that was a, a fairly nice catch, but you tore up the padding. We'll have to send you, we'll have to send you a bill for it. And Kenny said, he said, guys, I just want you to know, get the money from ESPN. They'll be showing that clip for 30 years. And he was right. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah. You, yeah. Were, you were part of, too. I, there's a legend in Seattle by the name of Dave Niehaus, the late, oh, yeah. great Dave Niehaus. What was your relationship like with him, and how much, in your experience, Jeff, can a broadcaster impact a community? Well, and, and David is a perfect example of that. Yeah, I had a great relationship with Dave. Dave, Dave was the voice of that franchise forever, uh, passed away a few years ago. But just a remarkable man, and I, they tease me. I, I still, when I, I, I play golf poorly, um, but when I hit a good drive, I invariably say, swung on and belted. <laughs> and tribute to Dave. Uh, I love Dave. Dave was great. And, and the second part of the question is, a great bar broadcaster makes so much of a difference. Um, you know, when Vince, when Vince Scully passed away, uh, the, the incredible tributes, how much of a difference he made to really cementing baseball in Southern California. And, I, and I've seen that my whole life. I grew up, when I was a kid, I listened to Indiana University basketball and football. And the guy who was a graduate student who was the announcer was a guy named Dick Enberg. Uh, and, 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 you know, followed Dick his entire career. And when you have, you know, somebody who's done this for so long as you have, you become an integral part of, of the entire community. And it, it makes a difference. In your career as you're, you know, running all these different things, did yeah. the question of who would get hired to do that get as high as you if you were way up there? Well, usually, I'm usually consulted. Like I said, we have a very collaborative group, and I always say you got to let your managers make their decisions. On something like that, you'd say, you know, what do you think, Jeff? And I'd say, and i give my opinion. Didn't mean they always followed it, but I always had an opinion. Yeah. 
Last couple of things. You were inducted, as I mentioned, into the Radio Hall of Fame. Susan Waldman, who was one of the, maybe the original voice on your WFAN, from what I've read. But Chris Mad Dog Russo, to go in with, and many other distinguished inductees. But those two, Jeff, what did it mean to you to go in with Susan and Chris Mad Dog Russo? Well, that was a memorable night because not only Chris and Susan, but Bill Lee, who had worked with us at Hot 97, uh, and Ellen Kay, who had worked with us in Indianapolis. So four of the honorees, uh, along with myself, had all worked at, at Emmis. And I can't tell you the pride that I take. Um, I'll tell you one quick Susan story. Uh, Susan once gave me advice when she was the Yankee beat reporter for Fan on a potential manager. And she recommended Buck Showalter. And we, and Showalter had just been fired by the Yankees as one of the coaches. And we brought him out for an interview, and George Steinbrenner said, wait a minute, why are the Mariners interviewing a guy I fired uh, to be their manager? And he brought him back to New York, and he hired him. And that, that started Buck Showalter's, you know, illustrious career. So, And that was all at the behest of Susan. That's nice. And Mad Dog, a true legend, isn't he? I mean, he... He, I don't know how big he was in WFAN's ultimate success, but he's got to be a big part of it, I would think. Right up there. And just a wonderful guy. And uh, just I was just on his show the other day, and we've had more fun. It's been great. Hey, and the final thing, and this is to your philosophy and even the kindness you showed a total stranger to me in guiding me through your radio stations a couple of years ago. But yeah, it's always struck me in reading about you and the ups and downs chronicled in your book, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur, the author of that book, our guest, and we'll close on this. Something that I read that uh, your mother said, your mom's adage, in life you just have to laugh, and one of your commandments at MS Broadcasting, Commandment 8, is don't take yourself, have fun, don't take this too seriously. In all your years and all of this, how would you sort of size up that commandment and your mother's adage? I think you have to have fun. I think people are more productive when they have fun. I used to give a speech for years and say, guys, just relax, have fun. This is just radio. It's not brain surgery. (laughs) And I said, I made a brain surgeon, and I said, "Uh, you guys, what do you do before you go to operate? And he said, we sit around and say, look, this is just brain surgery. It's not radio. We have to play the right records. We have to make all the commercials work. So it just depends on whatever you're doing in life. Just have fun. And I've got one last question. This will be it. We'll take a break, Jeff. And that is, what do you get excited about now? Everything you've done, you've done it all. What in radio or in sports or management do you get excited about right now? Well, listen, I I would be lying if I didn't say I'm always a fan. So I'm I'm a USC fan. I'm a a, a Trojan fan, a a Colts fan, a Pacers fan. Um, But I love, you know, obviously I've got three wonderful kids and and two perfect grandchildren, as they say, Um, and and a wonderful wife. Uh, And I love the people I work with and the, the new adventures every day. So I try to have fun with the things I do, and I've been fortunate to be surrounded by great people. Jeff, it is an honor to visit with you. I enjoyed meeting you under strange circumstances two years ago. I hope our paths somewhere, somehow, will cross again. But good luck with uh, continuing to publicize what sounds like a fascinating book. I'm looking forward to reading. It's just out recently, Never Ride a Roller Coaster, Upside Down. Jeff Smolian, The Ups and Downs and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. It's a real pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for making time for us. We appreciate it. Mike, it is my pleasure, too, and I hope to see you back in Indianapolis, and, and, and you have an incident-free trip. But it was wonderful meeting you, and it's great talking today. And say hi to Gary Grossman for me, too, okay? We certainly we will. will. Thank yes. you very much. Now, that's a local radio reference. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it. The great Jeff Smolian, Radio Hall of Famer.
referring to the former owner of this radio station. Yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and our own Josh's father. Yes. So that's pretty cool. And that is something. Then I told Josh immediately when after I met Jeff, I said, "Hey, Jeff said to say hi to your dad." <laughs> I I like to know more about that story. Yeah, what that connection is. <laughs> Well, the next time we have Jeff Smullyan on, we'll explore that. I wonder if he knew that, cause he, or if he just thought well, today's talk was about, you know, his book, or if he knew who he was going to be talking well, to. Well, I, I think he might have remembered, because I told him who I was working for out here, and he said, does he, he asked. Yeah. Back two years ago when we met at the tournament, he at, we we ended up getting on the Gary Grossman really? chain so of he, conversations. So he, he might have just remembered it. He connected the dots of yeah. uh, of because um, we didn't media. talk about that earlier today when jo- when TJ helped right. set up the interview. Wow, that, there's a legend right there. We didn't even talk about working with Don Imus or launching hip hop radio stations and and all of the things that he was so involved with. He touched a little bit on what is now ubiquitous in stadia everywhere, situate walk-up music, movie clips, so the, all those things. He, he was he was at the, the cutting edge of all that. He came up with the idea for walk-up music for each With the player. Mariners, well. And what, that, say, hey, guys, we're going to play music when you walk up. Choose what I you think, want. I, I think if one went back and looked and studied that, I think you'd find his name. Well, the Mariners began to popularize yeah. this yeah. under his watch. 89 to 92, yes, yes. He seems like a guy that would be great to work for. Yeah, I mean, the, particularly with the commandments. Don't take your, right. you know, have some fun with right. us. Now, he's had some ups and downs, but one of the articles I read said that he speaks highly of almost everybody. There's two people that fall into a different category, <laughs> and he'll, he'll also take, you know, time to say, well, he didn't help me out, and he stabbed me in the back, he did this yeah, or that. Yeah. But people like him. You can tell he's a likable oh, yeah. person and would be fun to work for. What happened in the, what the, they were just losing money. He decided Lo- to yeah, sell. He couldn't. Yeah. I mean, all of the, he had to sell. There was even a story about some, he, he took, he borrowed a lot of money to, to be the mm. principal shareholder in the Mariners ownership group. And there was a demand back from the bank oh. saying, Hey, we, you got to, you know, we, you, you better sell and pay us back, or we could have some issues. So <laughs> well, he had to sell and sold it to Nintendo and made made money on the Mariners, but he reluctantly sold. But he just, they were losing too much money, yes. Wow. The television market, well, he, it's too the bad. disparity in, in revenues. And it was all big early market, stuff, small so it market. was still Kingdom, and then, and then yeah. now looking at it and seeing how, how well they've done. Yeah. Just with the stadium and keeping them there, and then this most recent year of success. We will break and uh, wrap up hour number one. Now, with re- uh, we got another couple minutes. Oh, we can stay yeah, here. Good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Then, with reference to Craig Hanneman, this is a star studded day on the show, John, to have Jeff Smullyan on. Yeah. We'll have some open phones before we play the Craig Hanneman conversation for a few minutes coming out of the noon hour. And that would be, I hope, for Dave. Dave, I hope and thank you so much for connecting us with Jeff and his book through your own listenership to this show and to Chris Mad Dog Russo. And you heard Jeff on with Chris, so thank you for that. Coming out of the top of the hour break, we'll have a few minutes. And then a conversation that's already in the books that I had with Craig Hanneman this morning. It's a lengthy one, mm-hmm. but 
We'll take a few minutes coming out of the noon hour for some open phones break and then come back with the 28 minutes with Craig Hanneman. But it's not enough, as you will hear. It's not enough, just as that wasn't enough with no. with Jeff. But he's his publicist. He's booked a lot of these interviews. He's publicizing the book everywhere. Yeah. And every interview that he does will take a different course just simply by the questions that are asked. We bear, we just scratched the surface yeah. on so many things that we could have and would like to have talked about. But I hope we hit some of the things with Sports Talk Radio, with Letterman, with the Mariners. Mm-hmm. That would be a mm-hmm. little more peculiar to us here in the Pacific Northwest, with the Mariners at least, and Sports Talk Radio, which yep. and local radio, which he says you got you radio works only essentially I, if it's a local. Yes, and I've had others, <clears throat> mentors and bosses, tell me that. I had one boss say, and he was new to radio. He said, I don't care what you do. He goes, if I had my way, you'd open up the white pages and just start reading. Reading the names of the people who live in the town. Exactly. Yeah, that's and, local. And I, as we move further and further away from smaller markets, smaller stations like ours, we, we're very, very fortunate mm-hmm. that our ownership allows us to, to be in this market size and not be completely automated right. and have everything right. be live. I mean, to have a local morning show in a, in a, a market mm-hmm. this size, they don't do it anymore. They flip a switch and turn somebody on. In many markets, Like that's we the do case. with Dan Patrick on this station. Right. Right. And, you know, the Joe Beaver show is perfect for this market and the school and all of that. But it's a, a lot of things are automated. Disc jockeys sometimes are doing other markets, so they'll right. pretend like they know your town, but they don't. Right. And, you know, with Cricket and Clue FM, we get on there and say, hey, there's an accident on mm-hmm. Gary Street. Right. Or... Um, You've got the uh, the Christmas this or that mm-hmm. coming up in Albany at the fairgrounds or in Corvallis. Right. And that stuff is what really works. A great man himself, Craig Hanneman. When we get into open phones, I hope Dougie will call us a little bit uh, and talk about the dude. Yeah. <laughs> Long before the big Lebowski, Craig Hanneman was known as the dude. At, at his fraternity. at his fraternity. And people said, you know, were, Doug has told me, told me this morning that Craig Hanneman was just simply the dude. Have you seen the dude? Where's the dude? You know, people didn't call him Craig. Where's dude? Yeah. It was either the dude or dude. Is right. dude around? Hey, dude. The dude. The great Craig Hanneman. Which is funny because dude, that many years ago, wasn't yeah. a, a I wondered, term that was in play. I wondered, even in the film Easy Rider... You have Peter Fonda say to Jack Nicholson, Dennis Hopper, and Peter Fonda kind of recruit Nicholson, and they go on their ride if you want to be a bird. And famous scenes in that interesting film. But at one point, they say to Nicholson, you seem something. You seem like a good dude. Dude, Nicholson <laughs> says, dude, you mean like dude ranch? What yeah, are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. No, dude is just a And then for us now, it kind of originated in the... the uh, stoner era yeah, of Spicoli right. from <laughs> yes. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Dude. Right. And it also now can mean he's a dude. I mean, he's a yeah. good player. Yeah. Hey, that guy's yeah, a dude. He's a dude. Yeah. Dude. Come on, dude, <laughs> Lee Marvin says to Jimmy Stewart and the man who shot Liberty Valance. Anyway, the great Craig Hanneman is in Pittsburgh and went back for this, what was meant to be a celebration of the life of Franco Harris and the retirement of his jersey and the immaculate reception. 
Sadly, it's turned into something else. Craig was kind enough to join me this morning to talk about it. We'll play that next hour. Open phones next. Okay, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on at 5. And QID. 1240. Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. The Senate today approved a $1.7 trillion spending bill that averts a government shutdown and will boost the savings of Americans by making significant changes to their retirement plans. President Biden's signature before Friday midnight will keep the federal government going. The primary goal of the measure is to fund the government through the fiscal year ending next September, but it also contains a legion of agenda items including fresh aid to Ukraine, reforms of federal election laws, and a major boost to military spending. Job hunters are expecting more money and don't want to take a new position for less than $73,000, a new record high. According to a Fed survey, the lowest average wage that workers are willing to accept for a new job jumped almost $800 from July to November to $73,667. That increase most pronounced among workers under 45. Stocks are selling off today. The S&P 500 down 87 points. The Dow Industrials lower by 580. The Nasdaq's down 320. That's your money now. Save on everything for the holidays from entertaining and cooking to gifting and decor at Bed Bath & Beyond. Great deals on top brands like KitchenAid, Keurig, Shark, iRobot, Ravel, Ninja, Calphalon, T-Fowl, Sharper Image, Oral-B, and Hometics. Save more with our gift of the day with amazing offers every day. Plus, here's a gift just for you. Take 25% off your entire purchase every time you shop by texting JOY to 239-663. That's JOY to 239-663. Welcome the holidays with Bed Bath & Beyond. Offer expires December 25th. Exclusions apply. See website for details. At Total Wine and More, save big on what you love this December with hundreds of deals. Get up to 35% off over 200 different wines and spirits, including Cabernet, Sparkling Wine, Single Barrel Bourbon, and so much more. These savings are huge, and even better, they're on top of prices that are already the lowest in town. Deals this good don't last long, so visit Total Wine and More to find yours. Love what you find at the lowest price, only at Total Wine and More. Drink responsibly. In sports, it's important to have a talented starting lineup. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning or just some help with strategy. See the starting lineup at Tax and Wealth Management, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to successfully execute the game plan every time. They'd also like to take this moment to wish all of their clients and friends a very safe and joyous holiday season. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541-758-8. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Have you seen Highland Bowl's expanded Strike Zone Lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks, too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games, too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded Strike Zone Lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up, you knock them down. I'm Dennis Silvers, a golf guru, here with another Golf Minute to help you get a better angle on your bunker play. Opening your club face at address when faced with a greenside bunker shot is good technique. The problem is that you have to make sure you do it correctly. 
When getting ready to hit your bunker shot, first rotate the club face open about 10 degrees, then place both hands on the club. If you grip the club first, then rotate the club, the face will return to square during the swing and you'll lose the benefit of added loft. After taking your grip, lay the club shaft away from your target as you are addressing the ball. This creates a small angle between the shaft and your left arm, so the sole of the club will more easily slide through the sand, lifting the ball out high and landing soft. So remember, when you find yourself in a greenside bunker, take your proper grip and lay the shaft of the club slightly back. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. Oh, and don't forget to rake the bunker on the way out. You've been putting back a few. And a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that could happen? You get pulled over, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. The results of driving drunk are tragic. That's why law enforcement is out there looking for impaired drivers to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Hi, it's Drew Barrymore here with a few of my favorite things that are absolutely free. Taking a walk in the rain, petting a dog, and streaming movies and TV shows on Pluto TV. Did I just say Pluto TV is free? Yes, I did. You can even watch Pluto TV for free while you pet a dog. Pluto TV has thousands of movies and TV shows all for free. Pluto TV, stream now, pay never. Hey Siri, uh-huh. Take me to the Joe Beaver show. 1240 Joe Radio. One option is Joe Crow Reservoir in Oregon. Is that the one you're looking for? No. Which the Joe Beaver? The Joe Beaver show, 1240 Joe Radio. On it. It's a destination people have sought for generations. I'll be near Oregon. And take my wagon train to the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Be sure to come prepared. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated too. Right on the arm. And with the proper gear. Shall we select our masks? And even in this exacting age. Everything you say comes back to bite you. Come ready to contribute, even if your own son has his doubts. Dad and his mysterious phone calls. <laughs> Remembering what a call to Joe can do. Those phone calls put you through college. As you draw closer, note the surrounding characters. Chapel is closed for the COVID. And know this, John and Mike will celebrate when you get here. Arrived at the Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio. The second hour of the Joe Beaver Show, Mike Parker, John Warren. We're going to have a few minutes here. If there's anything unfinished business on the University Honda text line, if you'd like to jump in with a call, now would be the time. Dougie or Dave or anyone else, 497-5356. I would ask Dave if you've ordered the book, if it's come, if you've read it, it sounds like a fascinating ride and a story that, again, we just scratched the surface on with uh, Jeff Smullyan, who was kind enough to join us a few minutes ago. And even at the end, dropped in that local tidbit about Gary Grossman. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's very, uh, that's audience awareness savvy. Who who am I talking to? Well, you know, because he's just going down a list, yeah, publicizing the book. <clears throat> okay, okay, Mid-Valley, Oregon, oh, I swear, Gary Grossman. And he had, we had talked about Gary right, briefly, right. amongst other things. So if there's anything you'd like to jump in with here at 497-5356, we would be, love to hear from you. Or 
uh, contribute to the University Honda text line at the same number. After our first break here in a few minutes, we'll get to the conversation with Craig Hanneman. And Dougie, if you're listening now and are free to call, he said he was going to be making calls on clients today while he could because tomorrow could be difficult with conditions perhaps being uh, perilous. So Dougie may not be able to call us and regale us with Hanneman stories at the moment. I can tell you one that he told me. Uh, He told me this a while ago, and I said, tell me the story about... So Dougie was a freshman, and Craig was a a senior. And during, uh, what do you call it, uh, when you're... Rush week? Yeah, rush and and initiation initiation, week. So all of the freshmen, they say, hey, you guys are, you're good to go. We're going to have tomorrow's induction ceremony (laughs) and whatever. They say, go ahead and go to bed. So they go to the porch, and they're tired because they put them through all kinds of boot camp type stuff for, for fraternities. Half hour, they're sleeping in. And I guess you have a big brother or something in that scenario. I, I didn't. I was not a fraternity member, but Hanneman was Doug's, <laughs> and he said <laughs> Craig was so big and so strong. He picked him up on the third bunk of a bunk bed, came in, picked him up, <laughs> and the mattress, and threw him across the room onto the floor <laughs> in, in a dead sleep. Nice. And uh, it ain't over yet. I think is what Doug it, said. It, You're, it, not it, yeah. <laughs> You're not in yet. You're not in yet. Was the experience, but. He told me that story just to chronicle just how big and strong he was. And such a good man, uh, the man of the seven summits. He has climbed the tallest summit on all seven continents, and he hit this after the age of 50. He, he, six and a half years ago, he was given a diagnosis of ALS. Yeah, and that was he right has, after he climbed Everest. And he, yes, and he has, he's still ambulatory. Yep. He sounds good, as yeah. you will hear. There's a rare, we don't talk about this during the interview, but we did a little bit afterwards. There's a rare 10% or less of ALS cases that end up living 10 years or more Mm. after the diagnosis. Most fall within two to five years, and some earlier than that. If you get two to five, you've actually defied some odds. But he has been told, he told me in our conversation that that his doctors are believing that he may be in that 10% wow. that might get 10 years or so. No, and he's still great. doing well. He's back in Pittsburgh for what was meant to be, intended to be, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, Franco Harris's jersey to be retired mm. before the game, during the game with members of that 1972 team back, and it's turned more into a sad occasion and a memorial for Franco, and some of the activities that have been planned have been canceled. I talked to Craig about all of that, and that's a conversation we will hear in a few minutes. A different Doug is on the line with a couple of questions. Okay, and this could be Doug in Salem or a different Doug altogether. Not Doug in Salem. uh, Craig Hanneman grew up in Turner and went to South Ah. Salem High School. Nice. Before coming to play for D, 68 through 70 at Oregon and State. And our Doug said Craig loved D Andros. Yes, and, and I talked to him about that during the interview. Doug, good afternoon. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, good afternoon, guys. This is an altogether different Doug. Yes. I'm a Doug from Springfield. Thank you. How are you? We're good. good. Thank you. Good. Hey, I've had a question I've been meaning to ask for a long time, and it's somewhat irrelevant, but what the heck. But what it's about is television broadcasting, and something I've noticed, um, and if I'm not thinking you, Mike, maybe it's not a Beaver event or something like that, 
but the producers will turn the crowd noise up. And this could be basketball, it could be football, probably not baseball, but so much to the fact that you can't really hear the announcers very well, so you turn it up a little bit more. Well, all that does is exaggerate more crowd noise, and you still can't Hmm. really discern what they're saying. And it's not like a one-off. It happens a lot. And I just wonder, it seems really disrespectful of the, the folks calling the game. Any mm. thoughts on that? Have you experienced that? Uh, I can answer through slight experience and some logic or common sense to the industry. Until you said what you just now said, and that is it's not a one-off. If it's a one-off, then I know. I've, I've worked with people that just we all do in every business. It doesn't matter if it's the guy behind the counter at 7-Eleven. Sometimes people just don't do their job very well. No disrespect to the 7-Eleven guy behind the counter, but you know, you could have be a neurosurgeon who, uh, who doesn't do one thing very well. And it's a guy who is running the board. They're in charge of that dial and it's up too high. And the producers who are listening in the same truck aren't Mm-hmm. They're not sensing that it's too hot, you know, and it takes someone to go, guys, guys, mm-hmm. we can't hear. There was a uh, Doug. There was a couple of times a few years ago with some Fox broadcasts. I kid you not. It was drowning the play by play people. Mm-hmm. And they finally figured it out. I started a Twitter thing on yeah. it. Yeah. And so that maybe some national people would see the, hey, at Fox, can you turn down the crowd noise? <laughs> right. I know exactly what you're talking about, Doug. Now, I don't notice it as often as you do when you say that it happens more often than not. But on the rare occasions where it, I hear it, it's someone just dropping the ball. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And um, like I say, it does happen a lot. And it is really frustrating because, you know, especially, well, take this, if I've you know, synced up Mike and the Beaver game, and then I've recorded it because I want to hear, you know, the TV announcers, the broadcasters later and get their their take on it. And you just, you know, you watch the game, but you wind up turning it down because they're just fighting each other and you can't make out what they're saying. But I understand, uh, yeah, nobody's perfect. But maybe you could talk with somebody at Pac-12 Network. Good question. Have the opportunity. Good question, Doug. Thank you for asking. Anything else? We're going to take a break and come back with a great Craig Hanneman. And you got anything else today? Just my final thing. I love all the good news that's coming out of Beaver football. Yeah. It seems like every day there's something good. Yeah, thanks a it. lot. Hey, and thank you for that, Doug. And, and John Wilner, just with a brief tweet. For all of you rejoicing on, he wrote something to the effect on a tweet, on National Signing Day, jubilation for all these great classes. Let me point out two programs to you. One, Utah. Two, Oregon State. Have a nice day. That's Wilner tweeted something to that effect a while ago, as if to say, you can get Gaga, and they are down mm-hmm. the road, as they yeah, always yeah. do. I mean, I'm saying, you know, Utah that's fine. Yeah. And I'm not sitting here saying, I wouldn't take all the fun. I mean, I would. I, yeah, I mean, I, yes, Texas A&M, yes. I mean, and they're going to get good players and everybody, and Dion, bring them in. I'm just saying, look, and Wilner's right. Utah and Oregon State. Yeah, okay, goodbye. Have a nice day, he said. Two, two, other, two of the best coaches. Two of the, the best coaches and developmental programs, neither of which you know are crashing through the top ten annually with recruiting classes, but up to something pretty special. And that I, I'm glad that Wilner paid some brief attention to it with yeah. that tweet today. Craig Hanneman, our guest next on 1240 Joe Radio.
Why is Woodstock's Pizza all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people? Because no matter who you are or where you're from, you can create the perfect pizza at Woodstock's. So you can choose from over 35 fresh toppings, four made-fresh daily crust options, several cheese options, including vegan and dairy-free, and six sauce options, including vegan and dairy-free, all to go along with your choice of dine-in, takeout, or delivery to most of Corvallis. So Woodstock's Pizza is all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people. Woodstock's Pizza, Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. The best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. Flanagan Sports is fully stocked and ready for holiday gift giving. Skis, snowboards, ski accessories, disc golf, fitness equipment, football, soccer, golf, and much more. And Play It Again Sports wants to buy your used athletic equipment. Whatever you have, bring it in now for some extra holiday cash. Buy, sell, trade, or consign. Stop by and shop local at Play It Again Sports. On 9th Street in Corvallis, the affordable way to play. Have you been putting off that remodeling project? Have you finally decided to take a leap and get it done? For over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, wood, and vinyl flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beebs! Get a great deal on versatile Kubota equipment today, like Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors. Part of Kubota's tractor lineup rated number one in durability and owner experience. Plus, C-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles. Stop by Lynn Benton Tractor today and bring home the Kubota L2501 tractor for $0 down, 0% APR, plus save up to $1,000 now through December 31st. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more details. Weddings, anniversaries, holiday parties, corporate events, large or small, make them spectacular with Forks and Corks Catering. From delicious bites to signature cocktails, they'll ensure an experience that is a delight for you and your guests. With their fresh cuisine, artful presentation, and polished service, Forks and Corks always creates a spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list of venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. Craig Hanneman, South Salem High School, grew up in Turner, played for D. We touch on all of these things here in a moment. But the first thing that I, in visiting with Craig, who's back in Pittsburgh, invited back with all of the Steelers for a 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. With the passing of Franco Harris, I just asked Craig, his Franco's friend and former teammate, how he was feeling and what the mood like was in that city. Well, yes, Mike, and thanks for having me on. Um, it's a very sad day in Pittsburgh, uh, and it will continue to be in the days and uh, weeks uh, to come. Most of the events uh, that were scheduled by the Steelers and given by all the players who played in that game back for the, the days uh, leading up to the game and the game itself and halftime, as you noted, when they were going to retire uh, uh, Franco's uh, number, um, those events have been canceled 
and there's still uh, going to be maybe one or two, um, is my understanding, but that's still yet to be determined. Craig, tell me a little bit, before we go any further on that, just your thoughts about Franco Harris, what it was like to be a teammate with him when you were both young and coming into the franchise. You were part of the beginnings, as I mentioned, of the building up of that that great run to four Super Bowl titles. What was it like to come into Pittsburgh and be a teammate with Franco Harris? Uh, well, uh, coming into Pittsburgh was interesting. Pittsburgh had been probably, um, you know, one of the lesser teams in NFL history. I think they'd had one playoff appearance appearance in their 40-year existence. And all of a sudden, with the arrival of Franco Harris, they already had Terry Bradshaw, Joe Green, kind of the foundation was being built. But uh, Franco in 1972 was a rookie from Penn State. And, um, you know, he kind of became a catalyst of sorts throughout the season. As a rookie gained over 1,000 yards, I think he was only the third uh, rookie in NFL history to rush for that many yards um, in, the, in his rookie year. And, of course, he came down to that uh, game against the Raiders. And, and uh, you know, you say the rest is history after that. But uh, playing with Franco is, um, you know, obviously one of the all-time greats. But uh, as a football player, but uh, such a special human being. Uh, he spoke softly, uh, was kind in every way to everyone, his teammates, fans, and an ambassador to the city of Pittsburgh throughout his entire lifetime, uh, just recognized and loved by all that were in, in his midst. Craig Hanneman, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show, a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1972 and 73, and back in Pittsburgh for uh, what was intended to be uh, the celebration of the greatest play in league history. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, Craig, but I'm wondering what it was like for you, a young man out of Turner and South Salem High School in Oregon State, to be drafted by the Steelers and to be part of that 72 team that rose thanks to some of the other players you've mentioned to the beginnings again of the great run. What, what, what was it like for you, a young Craig Hanum to be back in Pittsburgh in that setting? A little bit of culture shock. Uh, Turner, Oregon, uh, Corvallis, uh, not exactly <laughs> a big city. So it was uh, an East coast versus West. It was, um, it was, uh, it took some adjusting, but I was lucky, uh, to play for what really I didn't know at the time, uh, but one of the great sports organizations to this day, that is just the Rooney family, uh, especially genuinely care about their players. I had a, uh, I guess, uh, I was lucky if for no other reason, uh, the best thing that ever happened to me in my life was that's where I met my wife of 46 years. And so, you know, but for her, would be blessed with the children that um, I have to this day, kids. So I, I, I think Pittsburgh is, uh, was my lucky star. Hmm. I'm so glad to hear you say that, Craig. That's gr- I did not know that you'd actually met her there, and that is, that is good to know as well. Craig Hanneman, our guest. Craig, I, I wondered then, too, what, when you get, to get back to Franco for a moment, the great ambassador that he was for the city and the kind spirit and person that he was, fierce, tough football player, one of the greats ever. But he was able to to find the grace and the love for the city and the fans and the franchise and the organization, even after 
there was sort of a an unceremonious parting at the end of his great run with the Steelers to the point that Coach Noel even said Franco who and Franco left. Franco found a way in his heart to to not hold that against. I guess he understood there's a business aspect of this whole deal, and organizations and businesses make decisions. I know by then. Uh, you were no longer playing in the league, but you must have followed that story a little bit. Were you? What was your reaction to Franco being so gracious to kind of still be warm and kind to the city and the fans of Pittsburgh? And, and you're right. I do recall that. I think he played for Seattle mm-hmm. last year. Yes. It was a very unceremonious departure, and you nailed it. Uh, it's a business. I, I got traded um, in 1974. That was it, during the first week of the regular season to New England, which was a good football move for me. I had an opportunity to play there more. But it, but the, uh, I left a new bride behind mm-hmm. and uh, because I had to be there the next day. So, yeah, football is a business. But Franco was able to, um, you know, once that was over, he came back and, his roots uh, were kind of Pennsylvania anyway because he went to Penn State, but he, he just picked up where he left off. And time heals a lot of hurt feelings and uh, bad things, but uh, the Steelers uh, obviously never forgot Franco, and Franco uh, never forgot the Steelers. Craig, what were the things, as we talk about the weekend, how— how long has this been in the works? Has it been talked about for a while? Hey, when we get to the 50th of the Immaculate Reception and so on, we're going to have a big event. Have, has this been on your your calendar for a while? And and how long have you been back there? And, and what were, I guess, some of the things that, that were planned that you've been a part of or had been invited to participate in? It has been in the works for some time. I, I think it was around August, you know, maybe Labor Day, that the official notice uh, came out from Mr. Rennie in inviting um, all the players back, you know, providing plane tickets and hotels mm-hmm. and everything. It's, uh, they've really done it upright. Uh, the event that was planned for tonight was uh, uh, going to be at the, his- the Heinz History Museum Center, and it was called a panel discussion. Franco actually selected the players that would be uh, up there on the panel. I just fortunate to be asked to be one of those um, for this discussion tonight. And then the next day, uh, there was going to be the exact tomorrow um, is the uh, actual anniversary. The Raiders are coming to town to play the Steelers on Christmas Eve, which is one day later at the 50th. Uh, that was kind of a quirk of NFL mm-hmm. scheduling that, you know, the Raiders were going to play the Steelers this year, but then they made the game happen on the 24th. But on the 23rd, uh, there was going to be at the exact second, the exact minute at um, the AE Center where the old stadium used to be, and they actually have a marker <laughs> that uh, where the catch took place, and there was going to be that plus a two-hour film of Franco's life and all of that later. But amazing events that were planned, and then uh, uh, tomorrow or tomorrow night, Franco. Uh, his wife and son were uh, going to host the dinner for all the players uh, that were back in town. And that is, I just got word uh, as you and I started this conversation, I saw a flash on my phone that Franklin's wife is still going to have that for the players that are in town. 
uh, kind of getting off uh, subject here, but uh, so many of uh, the squads were only 40 men in size in those days, so pretty small compared to the 60-some or whatever they travel with now. And none of those 40, uh, many are deceased. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Franklin sadly, another one. But, for example, the defensive linemen, uh, only Joe Green and I are still alive. So they uh, Dwight White, L.C. Green, Ernie Holmes, uh, Ben McGee, Steve Furness, they have all passed. So, um, and I'm not aware of uh, how many are in town. Uh, a lot of the former players still live here, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to seeing everyone. Because uh, other than John Cole, who was the best man on our wedding, um, he's, I haven't seen anyone for 48 years. Oh, uh, wow. Which is 48 years ago was when my New England and Pittsburgh played up in New England, and I got to talk to some of the guys after that. I had conversations with a few. Uh, Joe Green called me after a back surgery in New York, and Andy Russell and I had exchanged some emails about mountain climbing, but I really have had no contact with anyone other than John Cole over the years. Hmm. And, Craig, I just, again, this is so... It has just taken such a sad turn in terms of what the whole weekend was going to be about. I appreciate you still being willing to share a bit about what had to be when you think about it. I, you met your wife there. This play, you you had a great view uh, right from the sideline when it happened. I I wonder, you know, what what the whole... The, play itself named the Immaculate Reception. I don't know who gave it that. I know Kurt Gowdy had the call on the NBC. I was watching the game. I remember uh, I remember watching the play live as it happened, Craig. You, you were on the sidelines when it happened. What was it like to be on that sideline for Pittsburgh watching that last drive that ended with the most amazing play in NFL history? Yeah, in, improbable. That's right. Um, the... Um, well, Pittsburgh uh, is today and then. Um, their fans, they take football uh, quite seriously. And it had gone from despair to this is unbelievable. It was in an era, uh, obviously, when there was no instant replay. Mm-hmm. Things were pretty primitive, no cell phones. But there was, it was controversial. And by the way, the natural reception was named about a week or maybe just days later. And Myron Cope was the broadcaster uh, who made it famous, okay. uh, the local broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And somebody had written in to him uh, and called it the Immaculate Reception. And then Myron, uh, he's <laughs> the one who proclaimed that for it will be forever known <laughs> as the Immaculate Reception. Okay. At least that's how I recall right. it. But when the ball was thrown, we're down to literally the last play to the fourth and uh, fourth and I can't remember long yeah. and the uh, seconds uh, were left on the clock and Terry Bradshaw was scrambling up chased out of the pocket and the ball was supposed to go to um, a receiver named Derek Pearson he was covered so Terry heaved the ball he they shouldn't say that he fired a bullet Terry mm-hmm. never heaved anything um, he sh- uh, fired a bullet intended for a uh, running back uh, Frenchie Fuqua, mm-hmm. and Frenchie Fuqua was uh, met by Jack Tatum, who's recognized then and forever will be uh, as one of the fiercest tacklers in the game. Um, he's one of the reasons they changed tackling rules, and he was uh, right. quite, quite a hitter. And there was this collision of Tatum, Fuqua, and the football all at the same time. In those days, if the ball hit the offensive player first, uh, and then was caught by another offensive player, that was a dead ball. 
Uh, the rule has changed, I think, uh, five, six, seven years later, so that's not the case today. But that was the rule then in 1972. And so what was the officials were not able to determine with a absolute certainty that the ball hit Fuqua or Tatum um, or whatever. And then the ball ricochets. So uh, obviously it was, it was ruled that, that it was legal. But the ball ricocheted back um, quite some distance. And that was also like a bullet. So you know it hit somebody's either shoulder pad or helmet or something. It wasn't off somebody's body part. And it ricocheted back to Franco, who was running, just uh, always moving like he was. And that ball uh, that he caught is also somewhat less so, but still a little bit controversial in that did he trap the ball <laughs> or did he pick it up before it hit the ground? At any event, Franco caught that right at his shoestring and, and then ran 40-some uh, yards for a touchdown, just barely uh, getting in ahead of a, uh, some of the defensive backs who had thought the play was over. Mm-hmm. And, and their split second of um, not going after Franco allowed him to get uh, the distance for the touchdown. And then the rest is history, as they say. And as you watched it unfold, I'm wondering how much longer. I know that there was no replay mechanism. I understand that. But, Craig, do you remember after the touchdown, was there a long discussion? Did the did the officials at least huddle up? Did you feel like it was taking forever them to render their decision? Absolutely. The uh, Art McNally was a senior official up in the, the press box. I don't know if that anyone did. There had been a signal. I remember seeing a referee, I think he was on our sideline, on the basketball sideline, Franco ran down. And I remember seeing the, the touchdown sign go up. And then everything just, fans were on the field. There still had to be an extra point kick, and there was enough time left, I think, for one more kickoff. But there's time ran out. But it took, it seemed like forever. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't remember if it was 15 minutes or 20 minutes, but it was a long time. And this is one where seconds seem like minutes, minutes mm-hmm. seem like hours. And meanwhile, you have all this chaos with people on the field, and it's just bedlam. And the head, the referee, the guy with the white hat, was taken by our businessman, a man named Jim Boston, and took him over into the dugout. Uh, River Stadium was a combination of you know, the Pirates mm-hmm. and the Steelers. And they took him over to the dugout, and he was on a phone, an old-fashioned phone with the cord, <laughs> and talking upstairs to Art McNally. <laughs> and um, I've read since that, you know, McNally just wanted to confirm, well, what did you see? And these are the rules. And he wanted to make sure they had all that right. And, and um, so that's then the call. The referee came out of the dugout and put his hands up, and then uh, <laughs> the, the, the police just went crazy. <laughs> now that part of it, 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 when I say there was no replay rules or mechanism, that sounds lo- similar, though, to the process even today in terms of a conversation going on with someone upstairs in a booth with somebody down on the field. So I don't know if they, if they sort of circumvent, well, we don't have instant replay, but in this case, we're really going to make sure. Did it kind of seem that way to you? It's, it's right, and as I look back, I guess, today, um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm not aware that there ever was a uh, conversation like that in, in NFL right. history until that, that day. So uh, the referee, to his credit, um, was wanting to make sure that uh, 
he was doing everything right, uh, had he missed something or whatever. But I'm not aware that there had ever been, you know, kind of a improvised uh, replay uh, system in place until that day. Mm-hmm. Craig Hanneman with us for just a few more minutes. I know you've got to get to the airport. Your daughter's coming in. And again, part of what was intended to be just a joyous celebration of this play that we're talking about and the retirement of number 32 for the great and now so sad to say the late Franco Harris, who meant so much to so many, uh, not only in that city, the sense you get, Craig, with a legendary figure such as him, that there are NFL fans everywhere who became fans of the Steelers forever because of that play and others. It's just, again, it's just hard to even think about him no longer being with us when so much was built and planned around him for this weekend. So we'll let you go in a moment. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your own journey uh, not only up the seven summits and the seven continents, we don't even have time to talk about that. You're one of what, what I understand, Craig. One quick thought on that, if you don't mind. You've climbed the, the highest peaks on all seven continents. Is it your understanding that you are one of about 500 ever to do that? And how did the whole mountain climbing uh, itch, when did you get that? What? How did you get started on that? <laughs> I... Scott Freeburn teammate at Oregon State and, and for me South, South Salem High School where I went my senior year, he and I worked together at Willamette Industries and took me an hour walks whenever we both happened to be in town in downtown Portland uh, for most of my work career. And Scott and I just one day decided that we um, would like to go up and see what Mount St. Helens looked like without a roof on it. <laughs> and so we were age 50 and uh probably not in the best of shape. We uh, kind of let ourselves um, spend much too much time at work and raising kids and forgetting to get exercise like we should. So we went up there with our friends, Mark Dippel and Bob Gonesis. And uh, that that experience was kind of my gateway drug, if you will. <laughs> I got hooked immediately. And a week later, another friend says, well, I'll take you up Mount Adams. And, mm-hmm. and we were climbing Mount Shasta. And, and it, one thing led to another. And um, it's like anything else. If you uh, um, if you're doing, uh, I guess, too good at it, you want to try and do a little more. And I wasn't a uh, golfer, and anyone who's ever seen me golf can say that's not being self any self-deprecating humor. Because I said Craig is probably the worst golfer I've ever seen, and to the point where nobody even wants to play uh, with me because I'm just so awful and slow. But then I'm not a not a fisherman, and so I kind of gravitate towards what you're good at, and, and the mountaineering is a natural thing for me, and uh, I guess I ended up, uh, I found my way to the top of Mount Everest, and a lot of other mountains in the world, and Alaska especially, which is my favorite place to climb, and it's it's um, it's, it's, it's been exhilarating. I, I was lucky to have a wife that um, uh, supported that. Um, I sometimes think maybe she just wanted me out of the house, but um, <laughs> she, she was my biggest fan and supporter. Uh, well, Craig, that, there's just so much there, and and I'm hoping someday we can have another conversation about some of those experiences. But in, in closing, a couple of things. You were recruited, and I'm just wondering what you, what your recollections are. And when you think about the current Beaver who maybe you have some kinship with, with the respect to how versatile he is as an athlete and football player, our own Jack Hammer, Jack Coletto, who just won the Paul Horning Award for the most versatile player in college football and led the Beavers to a 10-win season, as I'm sure you followed with pride and and happiness. But you were recruited, if I read correctly, 
both, to play both, uh, fullback and nose guard by D at Oregon State, and you wanted to play both. Is that correct? And so you ended up, though, gravitating to the defensive line because too many good fullbacks ahead of you, maybe a little bit like Jack Coletto, left the quarterback room and wanted to do something else because he wanted to be on the field all the time. What was your story coming into Oregon State out of South Salem? I was a fullback, but uh, they, uh, uh, there was also a guy that was recruited my year named Dave Schilling. <laughs> and so for uh, first the freshman football in those days, as you know, and Dave Schilling was the first team fullback the first day of practice, and I was the second team, and I fully understood that. <laughs> and we had a, a coach who was only there one year named Earl Lunsford, uh, who was a fullback, an uh, all-pro, if you will, in Canada, and he ended up actually, I think, hiring Bud Riley years later to be the uh, you know the head coach up there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of Oregon State connections with Winnipeg, but but anyway, I was there in Earl Lunsford, and so I, I just loved the guy. He actually recruited me uh, to Oregon State, so I had that connection, not just uh, meeting him when I arrived mm-hmm. on campus. But uh, he said, I think he'd make a good uh, defensive tackle, and, our, and, and, he, and so I said, sure, and uh, I just wanted to play. And it worked out real well for me. But I will tell you, I, I did get to play fullback. I was against Washington State my freshman year. And the very first play, uh, they put me in. this terribly immodest, too, I know. But my very first play, I uh, was a crap up the middle. I went 63 yards nice. for a touchdown. <laughs> and then I ran, uh, they let me in the game. But until the next week, Bob Herndon and some of the other coaches, Bob was the backfield coach for the you know the varsity, and Bob and they were all coming out. They they wanted to watch freshman practice, and I quickly figured out well they want to see you know, I, I quite amazing statistics, <laughs> and they were there for about um, maybe five minutes, and then they just turned around and left, and they could see them kind of just shaking their head. No, he <laughs> so anyway they knew it was an aberration and not for real, and they were never interested in me again. There was no I had no moves or anything. It was just. The line that had just opened up some great holes, and I ran straight. And so, anyway, I, I stayed at defensive tackle, and they never played me at fullback again. That's a good story. What are your thoughts, Craig? Okay, by the way, yeah. I, by the way, uh, uh, two things that you didn't ask, but I'll. Uh, yeah. Thanks for bringing up Jack Coletta. What a guy! I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm probably his biggest fan. I just well, how, who isn't? But what that guy has done, um, I just I hope uh, he has a great career beyond uh, Oregon State. And the other thing, I just again, if I could just stay on your show. Uh, Jonathan Smith is the right guy at the right time, and we're really lucky to have him. I'm just so excited for what he's doing. And the last thing, you, and, I, and thank you for saying that about Coach Smith and Jack Coletto. Craig, the kind of the last thing, we'll close with a thought then about the rest of your weekend. But you played for a man that I, I just, I, I've only heard, and I, I was honored to meet him and interview him a few times, but the late, great DeAndros. And when I think about him and think about the lives he touched and think about the people and the way they speak of him and people who played for him, I've never had a chance to ask you that, but I wanted to ask you that, uh, Craig. You went on to play with the legendary Chuck Noll and others in in the league, but what was it like to be a Beaver under DeAndros? Um, nothing in the world compares to it. Um, you know, uh, he was the most authentic, one of the most authentic men I've ever met in my life. It wasn't much complicated about D, and I mean that in, in, in a very kind way. Um, he was who he was. Um, he was a Marine um, that fought on Iwo Jima, got a Bronze Star, um, and, it, you know, after that experience um, and uh, all that he saw and all that he witnessed, um, you know, uh, he, every day, 
Uh, he tweeted that I think it, like it was his last, um, and so he lived it that way. And, and uh, the players that we all played, that played for him, we all loved him. There wasn't, like I say, there wasn't anything complicated. He was he was just a, a really um, sincere man that cared about his players. I, every coach I've played for, um, they of course care about their stars. But DeAndre's cared cared about every single one of his players, whether he was a red shirt injured or the starting quarterback. And I always respected that most about him. That's beautifully said. And the last, again, I say last, but I promise because I know you got to get to the airport. But Craig, the Craig Hanneman uh, wrapping things up with us here on the Joe Beaver Show. This weekend and going back and how time, the river keeps flowing, and here you are now 50 years later from that a most, most amazing play. No one knew the turn that the, the weekend would take, but I'm just wondering what being back there in that city and getting to see tonight some people you haven't seen maybe in 48 years, all of that with the such sad news about Franco. What... What what have your emotions been like this weekend, being touched this way? And when you think about what that experience in your life with those people and those men, and Franco in particular, have meant to you throughout your life? Yeah, you know, it's a, I, I guess I feel, first and foremost, I feel for Franco's mm-hmm. wife and, and son. And, uh, you know, Franco Harris uh, obviously was a, a super, superstar uh, I mean, one of the greats of all time. And I think sometimes we forget that he's also, first and foremost, a human being. And, you know, uh, who knows uh, uh, what the cause of death was, but, that, you know, that Franco, who dealt with fame and uh, adulation and a fan base wherever he went, um, you know, um, maybe his heart just gave out. It was, it was so much, um, but that's how mm-hmm. you kind of sort all of that out. And I don't have a good answer, answer mm-hmm. for you, sir. Um, he's, um, um, it just doesn't seem fair. And um, I, I feel for everybody. I feel for the city. I feel for the team. I was only there two and a half years with Franco. Those though, that played with him for their entire career, it's, uh, their, their connections are obviously uh, much longer. They won Super Bowls. I was traded that first year, so I wasn't there for all of that. But I, but I was there long enough to know that he uh, was uh, a, a great man. Um, in addition to being one of the best football players of all time. Those were some of the thoughts of Craig Hanneman earlier this morning. A real honor to get to visit with him as it was with Jeff Smullyan and as it will be as we take a different turn with our next guest to wrap up the show from the Oregon State men's basketball team. Felipe Palazzo from Argentina, a walk-on, former manager, now on the roster. He's played one minute this year, but he is still flying high with the experience of his home country bringing home the World Cup and what many experts are calling the greatest World Cup final ever. I don't think Felipe Palazzo would disagree. We'll get a couple of minutes with Felipe next in wrapping up the show for today on 1240 Joe Radio. Get the Mexican-inspired craze you'll crave at Qdoba Mexican Eats with new brisket birria. We're talking tender, shredded beef, slow-cooked for 10 hours in chili and garlic, infusing the authentic flavors of the popular Mexican street food. Top your favorite entree or try the quesabirria quesadilla or burrito. Brisket birria layered with their signature three-cheese queso. From Mexico to food trucks and now to your plate, get in on the birria craze and order today at Qdoba.com. What's your power like today? 
Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to mypowerhonda.com. Have you been putting off that remodeling project? Have you finally decided to take a leap and get it done? For over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, wood, and vinyl flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beeves! Get a great deal on versatile Kubota equipment today, like Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors. Part of Kubota's tractor lineup rated number one in durability and owner experience. Plus, C-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles. Stop by Lynn Benton Tractor today and bring home the Kubota L2501 tractor for $0 down, 0% APR, plus save up to $1,000 now through December 31st. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to Kubota US USA.com for more details. Heading down the stretch for today's show, a real honor to visit with Craig Hanneman and Jeff Smolian yeah, on today's fantastic. program. That was great. An opportunity now to visit with a young man named Felipe Palazzo. He's a walk-on on the Oregon State men's basketball team from manager to roster player from Argentina in his third year, I believe, now in school at Oregon State. And doing a great job as a as a guy who works his way with the team through practice and a, a real um, energetic, high-energy, friendly guy, but also a guy that I believe is still and always will mm. rejoice Oh yeah, over Argentina bringing home the World Cup. Felipe Palazzo is from Argentina, came to Oregon State, kind of want to get that story, but I sought him out last night for our pregame interview prior to the Oregon State come from behind victory over Denver, outscoring the Pioneers 19-6 to over the last four and a half minutes to improve to 7-6. and Felipe Palazzo joined me on the pregame show. He joins us today here on the Joe Beaver Show. Felipe, first and foremost, a big win for the team last night. You didn't get into the game, but... How proud were you and excited to see what the team did down the stretch? And maybe you can tell our listeners how so many of the guys on the team were were sick, dealing with illness, not feeling well, and yet you guys still managed to find a way to win. How fun was it to see them do that? Well, first of all, thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, It was really amazing. I feel really proud of this team. As I always say, I think when things are not going in the in the best way, you need to find you need to find a way through. Um, that's what we did yesterday. We fight, we fought, and it was like it was like a really really fun game to watch. Felipe, let's jump right to your experience of this year's World Cup and the way your native country found its way through to win it. What was how big of a of a football fan, soccer fan are you? And the sense I get back home in your native land of Argentina, this is one of the great events of all time. Tell us what it meant to you and what you feel like it means to your homeland of Argentina. Well, so you all understand, when I, when I was 
one year old was the first time that I went with my dad to a soccer stadium. Uh, soccer stadiums are, are, are really different than people think or that you can see in America. It's a really tough place. It usually just for men, no children, just for men. Uh, um, you know, it's because it's a Latino country, so a lot of things can happen. But soccer for us is, is even more, it's even bigger than basketball or football. It's like something that we can't explain. People cry for soccer. People do everything for soccer, you know? So this win was really, really important for us. How much are you going to miss Lionel Messi? <laughs> oh, man. I will be honest with you. That's the only that's the only human being that really makes me cry every time that I see him on screen. Sometimes I'm in myself in my house and I'm just watching messy videos on YouTube and, and I start crying. You know that that I think I think is amazing. And you mentioned to me, uh, Felipe, in our pregame interview last night. When you think about Messi and uh, Diego Maradona, what the what do these people mean to you? And your native country of Argentina, how important they are in the fabric, the culture of, of your homeland. Well, uh, Maradona and Messi are heroes for us. I didn't, I was not lucky enough to watch Maradona play. I didn't thought that he was amazing. But what Messi generates to us, like, it's, I, can't, I can't even describe it. I just, everybody just want him to win. Um, what I really like about his story is that before winning this World Cup and before winning the Copa America last year, he lost four finals, four final games. So he went four times to the final game and they and he lost the fourth time. So it's like a really cool story to to teach children that you don't have to, you never have to quit. There's always going to be another chance. How much? Um... How much love do they get if if a if a, a, a hero like like Maradona or, or Messi rises to a certain level? What if they start to slip a little? Do the do the does the home base turn on them or still love them? No, no, no. I think I think they will always love them. Uh, so for you, so, so people can understand. Five million people were in Buenos Aires. These couple of days, <laughs> waiting, just waiting for Messi at three in the morning for yeah. him to bring the workout. Four million people at three in the morning. So, like, you know, like, um, but the thing, but what I, what I was telling my friends in the in the team, uh, is that I actually I really want him to win, but I, I was not like if he loses, if he had lost, I would, I would also be happy for him. Like, yeah. I it's, it's already a hero for me. Um, what yeah. I really, I really enjoy about this workout is that it gives me the opportunity to talk with the guys about soccer. And I, because I know soccer is not a big thing here, so what I really like is they start asking me questions about that. Hey, what is the what is the meaning of this? What is soccer meaning for you? And and I think like that like cultural like like exchange is really is really powerful. I was going to ask you about that, Felipe. You also told me you just simply you were so nervous about the final that you didn't go to sleep, and you had an early game Sunday. So you got up at 3 in the morning or didn't go to sleep, went to the locker room, and did you say about seven or eight of your teammates finished watching before you went out and played Green Bay? You guys kind of watched the match together, and they cheered on Argentina with you? Yeah, 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 exactly like that. The thing is, 
at first they were making fun of me, you know, <laughs> we lost against Saudi Arabia, blah, blah, but at the end of the day, I know they, they won the happiness for me. And, I, and they know how important this, this game was for me. So that we all watch, we all celebrate. They were all, like, happy, like, if they were Argentina or something, you know? And that was really, really big for me. So not knowing anything really about the teams, um, what about Argentina four years from now, minus Messi? You think that, uh, or do they change just too much in the next three years to really know? Well, um, I think Messi, in some hard games, when when there is when nothing is working, and you have a player like him, he can win the game. You know, so um, it will be really it will be really tough for us to build something without him. Uh, I I still have the hopes that he makes one more World Cup <laughs> at 39 years old. That'll be that'll be I mean that'll be the greatest thing ever, but. But I think we have a great young group of guys. Um, I think we're going to make it through. Last thing, Felipe, we're running out of time here. Really appreciate you taking time to share your joy over the World Cup victory, and I'm glad you kind of recruited and listed some teammates who got in it with you and cheered you on. That's great to hear. I can visualize it, and that's sweet. That's a good story. What is your own story as we close? In leaving Tucumán, Argentina, how did you – how did you find Oregon State? How did this come about, and how's the whole experience been for you so far? Well, since I was 12 years old, I, I wanted to come to the United States to play basketball. Uh, it was not a thing. I think now there is just five, there's five Division One Argentina players, uh, so it's not a big thing to come to America to play basketball. But, you know, you always have to work on your dreams, and then Oregon State was a great opportunity for me. And as I told you yesterday, um, this group of men, coaches, trainers, all the social media people, my teammates, uh, they are making me be a better man every day. And I can be more grateful for that. And how is the education going? And, you know, the, what are you studying? And what are your hopes uh, when, you fin- when you graduate Oregon State? Well, I'm, I'm dual majoring right now. I'm doing major, majoring right now. I'm doing finance and business analytics. And I have been in the honor roll from the university this couple of the, the terms. I, I think I have like a 3.7 or 3.8 GPA. So I'm doing pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my hopes is that I can, I can get a career. Um, oh, and I, can, I, I hope I can still play in basketball, which is something that I love the most. Well, congratulations on everything that's happening, Felipe. I know a lot of guys are going home for the rest of the holidays. That's probably not in the cards for you, is it? Are you heading home to Argentina for a while, or is that going to have to wait a while? Well, it will have to wait until summer mm-hmm. uh, because it's a two-day trip, so I, I just can't do it right now. Okay. Well, then I look forward to seeing you again when basketball resumes. You guys will get back to practice and prepare for the resumption of Pac-12 play at Oregon on New Year's Eve. Felipe, it's been a real pleasure to get to talk to you about this amazing story from your home country. I rejoice. I, I I think all of us are happy for you within Beaver Nation, and thank you for taking time to talk to us about it, Felipe. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much. Felipe Palazzo of the Oregon State men's basketball team from Argentina. I feel bad. I felt like I wanted to invite him over for Christmas dinner.
I mean, what's yeah, what's yeah. he gonna do? Yeah, he'll be. I think there'll be enough folks around. He'll be. He'll yeah. be. There's a good. It's a good family atmosphere. I. He'll be well. He'll tended, be. Ta- he'll get be well taken, taken care, of. care of. Doc, it's been. Uh, it's been a good week. In fact, I think we're we're heading down. I'm not quite sure what next week holds, but no show tomorrow. No, no Sean show to, Marino. No Sean Marino. No show on Monday. Tomorrow is going to be the ice situation and people leaving, mm-hmm. shutting down for the, the Christmas weekend. Monday's a national holiday. We're taking it. Give us a quick sense of what may be ahead the rest of today, weather-wise, based on what you were telling us earlier Sometime today. in the next uh, hour, a little bit of flurries. Um, and then later on this late afternoon, early evening, light frozen precipitation and then overnight, lots of freezing rain. So we just all need to really yeah. be Tomorrow careful. Tomorrow might be a mess. Take it easy. Thanks to all of you for joining us this week. We'll talk to you again sometime next week here on 1240 Joe Radio. KEJO Corvallis. And translator K229DI Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.